Shareholders, dear guests, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you most warmly to the FLS Annual General Meeting 2020. I am Bang Sørensen, I am Chairman of the Board, and uh, I look forward to the meeting. My first job is to tell you who the Board has decided to appoint as Chairman of the meeting. And as far as I recall, we have always asked Mr. Sugor to help us out. So once again, welcome to you, Klaus Sugor. Thank you very much. I feel very old when you say it like that, but thank you very much. And my first job is to find out whether the meeting has been legally convened and whether we are quarried. There are some different requirements this year due to the circumstances that are so special. It appears in the Articles of Association that we must have the meeting in the capital region of Copenhagen that has been met. This year, we have emergency legislation, which means that annual general meetings may be held until the end of June, so we have not violated any timing restrictions. You have to convene the meeting with a notice period of between three to five weeks, and there must be information available on the website. The convening notice must be circulated through the stock exchange information system and to shareholders having requested such information. All this was done on the 2nd of June, and I have checked myself that things were up and running on the 2nd of June, so the meeting has been legally convened and is quarried. The material that must be made available on the website was made available also the additions to the articles of uh, the the agenda of the meeting because there is an additional item that has to do with the suspension of payment of dividend this year. There are 30 people that have asked for entrance cards. 12 has turned up, 10 shareholders. But I'm not saying that we are not quarried and a lot of people have actually also voted in advance. This is possible through the portal. And 89 have given uh, power of attorney to the board, and others have handed in proxies where they have specifically pointed out what they wish to vote in connection with the agenda items. So 44% of the total number of votes represented uh, is represented here today. Now, with regard to item seven, here we have something that relates to amendments to the Articles of Association, and such proposals need to be supported by two-thirds majority. We only need simple majority for all the other items. And as usual, we have uh, e-voting system. There are more candidates to the board than there are seats on the board, and that's why there will be a vote when we get to that item on the agenda. And as in previous years, we will first show you a video informing you about the way that this device, this e-voter, works. Those were all the formal details. Now let's get down to the actual business that we guess that you have come here to listen to. So first, I will hand over to the chairman of the board. Mr. Sørensen, you have the floor, sir. Thank you very much, Klaus. Now, due to the prevailing COVID-19 pandemic, we were forced this spring to postpone the AGM. And uh, the pandemic is far from over, but I'm pleased that uh, at least in Denmark, Uh, There's been so much progress that we can now hold our AGM. I'd like to start by thanking the shareholders who have chosen to use the webcast and to shareholders in the room. A lot has happened since we closed the 2019 financial year, and although the report mainly concerns last year, I will also comment on developments in 2020. 2019 was a year with successes and challenges. We introduced ambitious new targets for sustainability. We marketed new innovative and digital products. And our service business showed a progress in the year under review. There was revenue growth, earnings growth, and profit growth. 
but we failed to reach our goal for EBITDA margin improvement. And that's why in the autumn of 19, we decided to accelerate business improvement initiatives to grow our earnings. Now, these initiatives include site consolidation, improved logistical setup, and a reduction of headcount. In mining, we uh, consolidated project execution in fewer centers to strengthen competences and ensure there was better absorption of resources in line with fluctuating order intake. Uh, As a consequence of a changed market environment, we chose in this spring to expand these activities. Uh, Combined, they're expected to generate an annual EBITDA improvement of 150 million. The one-off cost is around 180 million. In addition to these sustainable improvements, we have initiated a range of activities which will temporarily reduce costs. We have uh, a hiring freeze, we have postponement of pay jobs, we have employees on furlough schemes, and we have reduced investments. These initiatives are important in the short run, but in the long run, the most important element is to create an optimum business mix if you want to secure steady growth and more profitable business. In our business model, we have a unique combination of products, products, projects, products, and services. We focus strategically on expanding the proportion of services and standardized products relative to the proportion of last projects. So we will obtain a more profitable business mix and a less cyclical uh, business with a lower level of risk. Projects will remain core to us, and the knowledge, the expertise we gain uh, is key when it comes to offering productivity to customers. But we will be selective when it comes to the terms and conditions we accept to ensure that projects support our long-term profit goals. Two of the megatrends today that will help to uh, increase our sale of products and services These two trends are sustainability and digitalization. They are both strongly anchored in our business model. We have increased customer attention to digital solution and more sustainable production. So they will increasingly expand the gap between us, premium players such as F.L. Smith, and the mid-market and the single product supplier. Sustainability, always firmly anchored with us. As a technology leader, we can offer our customers the most sustainable solutions, but we need to go even further. In the mining and cement industries, we are seeing a transition to more sustainable production if we are to solve global climate challenges. Green transition will require improved infrastructure and more sustainable energy sources, including wind and solar energy. And we see an increasing demand for electric vehicles, air conditioning, smartphones, and other sort of household appliances. All of that drives uh, the demand for minerals and cement. Mining and cement are indispensable to the global economy and to the green transition. So we need to modernize these energy-intensive sectors to reduce their environmental impact. As a leader in the mining and cement industries, We recognize our responsibility when it comes to driving green transition, and it's also an attractive business opportunity for us. And that is why we launched Mission Zero in November last year. We said to our customers, we will be able to offer you a zero transmission technology by 2030. We are developing digital, innovative solutions tied to sustainable productivity. So we want to enable customers to operate cement plants with zero emissions and without the use of fossil fuels. We can do that, 70% of it, 70% through existing technologies that are pioneering. And we also have new R&D projects. And the remaining 30% requires technologies we don't know yet. But we will seek partnerships and knowledge sharing to find such solutions. We... Uh, entered into a partnership with VSEM, the Vietnam National Cement Corporation, in order to make their cement sector more sustainable. That was the case in point. In mining, uh, we want to develop solutions that enable customers to operate with zero water waste and zero emissions. 
existing solutions allow them to reutilize 95% of process water. In the mining industry, well, they know our strong technology focus. So in October, we became the first fixed equipment supplier to enter into a global framework agreement with one of the leading mining companies, Rio Tinto, they are called. We support with Mission Zero for our sustainable development goals in particular. It's uh, SDG number six, that is clean water and sanitation. Seven is affordable clean energy. Twelve is uh, responsible consumption and production. And SDG 13 is climate action. Now, when it comes to the climate, we can really make the biggest difference by helping our customers to achieve more sustainable production. But we also focus on our in-house sustainability, obviously. Uh, we also delivered a significant results in 2019 on that one. The total record injury frequency rate, TRIFR, which includes contractors, improved from 3.0 in 18 to 1.6 in 19, much better than our target of a maximum of 2.7. So we are continuing the positive trend we've seen in this area for many years now. The proportion of female employees grew to 15.5%. The number of female managers rose to 11.2%, just above our goal, which was 11% for 19. Now, our two emissions in relation to revenue decreased from 3.4 in 18 to 2.2 in 19. And we carried out screening of 689 suppliers. And our goal was actually just 300. So we need a strong compliance program, a good business ethics to operate businesses sustainably. And there is one newspaper in Denmark in recent months that had described in detail something that happened 10 years ago. It was the establishment of a cement plant in Tunisia. In connection with that contract, one F.L. Smith employee accepted that the customer increased the contract sum by 2 million euros. That was he, was he wanted to pocket for himself afterwards. Fortunately, fortunately, it didn't turn out like that. Once management became aware of the situation, most of the 2 million euros were placed in an escrow account, a frozen account, and has been reversed to the customer. One of our colleagues was convicted of assisting in fraudulent abuse of his position by a Tunisian court. First he'd been acquitted, now he was sentenced, and now we are waiting for the third court of instance to decide. We knew about it in 14. We immediately commissioned an independent legal investigation to shed full light on the case. And we introduced a number of initiatives that form a I would say, a world-class compliance program to prevent such a situation from occurring again. I'd like to stress here again today what happened in 2010 with the Tunisia contract was open to criticism. It does not in any way represent the way we want to do business. It is unacceptable. Uh, that said, I am pleased with how the situation was addressed and measures were introduced that leave no doubt about our code of conduct and our guidelines for conducting our business. I and my fellow board members will closely monitor uh, that our compliance initiatives are upheld, updated, and are implemented throughout the business and by all employees. As mentioned before, it is our strong focus on innovation and digitalization that make it possible for us to stand out from the competition provide sustainable solutions. To be at the cutting edge of technology, uh, we uh, increased our R&D spend to 302 million in 2019. We now have digital tools to improve energy efficiency of a cement factory uh, markedly. We've been able to offer customers a solution for years now where the heating of cement kilns uses alternative fuels instead of coal and gas. So there are advantages to the environment, but also uh, the, in, uh, the production in general uh, becomes more stable. So we have developed an advanced digital control system to stabilize production, enable customers to use alternative fuels only. 
At the same time, they actually increase production by 2 to 6% and reduce emissions by 2 to 5%. So this is really a case in point when it comes to showing how digital solutions can make cement production more sustainable and at the same time more cost efficient. At last year's AGM, I talked to you about our launch of the Internet of Things platform and uh, the connection to the digital cloud. So this is an IoT platform uh, with now more than 800 pieces of equipment, and we are more than 200, the two, more than 200 plants that we are monitoring remotely with that. We also launched Site Connect. It's a mobile app that delivers real-time data on equipment, processes, and planned KPIs. We also have Uptime Go. It is a management information system. It allows plant staff to identify root causes of problems that impact plant productivity. Because of COVID-19, we have seen a marked increase in demand for digital solutions and in the coming years, we'll continue to expand our portfolio of digital solutions uh, in order to simplify operations and optimize end-to-end -end performance. Now, the mining market. In 2019, uh, there was strong demand for service, but hesitation about large investments. This was because of global macroeconomic uncertainty, and also there were issues regarding customers' license to operate, especially in North America. Uh, mining companies have experienced opposition from local residents who fear pollution and loss of water supplies. So there is more interest in our solutions when it comes to maximizing safety and recovering up to 95% of the water in a processing plant. Since the close of the financial year, the corona pandemic has had significant impact. There have been travel restrictions and lockdowns influencing mining operations and suppliers around the world. South Africa and India in particular have been severely hit by tough lockdowns. So we expect uh, a decline in these mining companies' capex investments, whereas uh, demand for services will be more stable, but it will still be reflected, for instance, by tribal restrictions. Fortunately, in many countries, mining is seen as a critical industry, and about 90% of the mines in the world have been kept in operation during lockdowns. Both trade wars and the coronavirus have impacted commodity prices. The price of gold tends to go up when there is volatility in the market. It's at its highest level for about seven years. The price of copper and other minerals has been under pressure because of a fear of weakened Chinese imports and demand. Now, despite the serious economic consequences of the pandemic, most prices of minerals have actually been quite stable. Now, copper. Well, there's got to be a higher demand for copper, and mining companies have a healthy financial positions, position, and they really need to invest because the global trend to reduce CO2 emissions will push up demand for copper and battery-related minerals. An electric car, I can tell you, uses five times as much copper as a petrol-driven car. A big uh, offshore wind turbine contains 30 tons of copper and a high-speed train up to 20 tons of copper. And the supply of copper will decline unless mining companies invest in new capacity because copper grades are declining. The cement market was generally stable in 19. Globally, the market still has surplus capacity and customers have been reluctant to make large investments. There are still local opportunities and a healthy demand for equipment and services uh, to drive more efficient, digitalized and sustainable production. But like in the mining industry, the cement industry has been affected a lot by the COVID-19 pandemic. And there have been operational disruptions. India and the Middle East have been severely affected by lockdowns. But cement plants in most of the world have been affected. About 80% of cement plants outside China have, however, maintained operations during lockdowns. In the short term, there'll be a significant drop in CapEx investments, especially in regard to new projects. 
Demand for uh, services will probably remain more stable, but there are operational disruptions and travel restrictions to be taken into account. Over the last 12 to 18 months, the sustainability agenda has really gained traction, and this has been emphasized actually by the pandemic. Customers' willingness to invest in new technologies that will reduce emissions, uh, that willingness is increasing. They want to produce more green cement, but also there is more pressure from authorities and investors and an increase in the price for carbon credits in some parts of the world. In Europe, carbon credits now represent a major part of the cement producers' operating costs, providing them with an incentive to invest in an upgrade of new technologies where F.L. Smith has a strong position. Let's go on to And now to our financial performance. Our solid market position and strong order intake in 2018 caused revenue to grow by 10% to 20.6 billion kroner in 2019, which was the highest level in six years and at the high end of our guidance range. The increase was mainly driven by our mining business, but we also grew our cement revenue. Service accounted for 52% of revenue, the sale of projects and products accounting for 48%. EBITDA increased 5% to 1.7 billion Danish kroner in 2019, but we failed to meet our target of increasing our EBITDA margin, which stood at 8.1% at year-end. Sales and admin costs were largely unchanged on 2018, but the margin was impacted by a change in the business mix with a relatively high proportion of projects and products compared to service. At the same time, we saw business conditions being weakened during the year, several customers deferred decisions, and some of our mining projects delivered lower than expected earnings. As I said before, we have launched initiatives to raise earnings in mining. Despite difficult market conditions, cement profitability improved in 2019 thanks to internal efficiency measures and a more selective approach to large projects. Although we saw an increase in the service order intake, the group's order intake fell by 10% in 2019 to 19.6 billion kroner due to a growing trend among customers of deferring decisions on large investments. This is a trend that persists, but we were off to a strong start to 2020 with announcements of orders worth 2.4 billion Danish kroner in aggregate. Profit for the year grew from 635 million kroner in 2018 to 776 million kroner in 2019, as discontinued activities had a considerably less negative impact than in 2018. This led to an increase in earnings per share to 15.5 Danish kroner, which is a higher level in the past five years. Return on invested capital fell a bit from 11% in 2018 to 10.9% in 2019 due to higher capital employed and the implementation of IFRX 16. Despite the increase in capital employed, cash inflows from operating activities more than doubled to 948 million kroner in 2019. The cash outflow from investing activities grew by almost 400 million kroner due to the acquisition of IMP Automation Group in May 2019. This acquisition completed our portfolio of automated lab solutions for the mining industry, and IPM has now been successfully integrated into FL Schmidt. Adjusted for business acquisitions, the free cash flow increased by more than half a billion to 574 million in 2019. Our mining business accounted for 59% of a consolidated revenue in 2019. Service contributed 61%, while sale of projects and products contributed 39% of the division's revenue. Revenue from mining grew by 15% to 12.2 billion Danish kroner in 2019, with an order intake that declined by 6% to 12.1 billion Danish kroner. The intake of service order grew slightly, but, as I said before, customers were hesitant to make large investments in 2019. In the first quarter of 2020, we successfully entered the Eastern European market, where we have announced major orders worth 2.4 billion Danish kroner. The successful order intake is largely attributable to the regional organizational structure we implemented in the summer of 2018. 
EBITDA in mining declined by 2% and the EBITDA margin fell to 9.6% in 2019. As I said before, we have now launched initiatives to raise earnings. Our cement business reported strong performance for 2019. Revenue for this part of our business contributed 41% of a consolidated revenue, service contributing 40%, with sale of projects and products contributing 60% of the division's revenue. Revenue from cement grew by 3% to 8.5 billion kroner. Despite a 7% increase in service order intake, the overall order intake in the cement business declined by 16% to 7.5 billion Danish kroner in 2019, as only a few large orders were tendered. Cement's EBITDA rose by 28% and the EBITDA margin rose to 5.7% in 2019 from 4.6% the year before. In view of the difficult market conditions, this was a strong performance. Despite the positive free cash flow, consolidated net interest-bearing debt grew by 0.6 billion to 2.5 billion Danish kroner in 2019, mostly because of business acquisitions and IFRS 16, according to which leases are to be recognized as a liability in the balance sheet from 2019 and onwards. Financial gearing calculated as a ratio of net debt to EBITDA rose to 1.2 at the end of 2019, which remains well within the group's defined limit of a maximum ratio of 2.0. Equity increased by 0.5 billion kroner to 8.8 billion kroner in 2019, driven by the profit for the year, and the equity ratio decreased slightly to 37%, but this is still significantly above the target of minimum 30%. Due to the global volatility caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, the Board of Directors decided on the 23rd of March to withdraw its original proposal to distribute a dividend of 8 kroner per share in respect of financial 2019. In order to strengthen our financial resources during a period of increased market uncertainty, the Board of Directors now proposes that no dividend be distributed in respect of 2019. On the 23rd of March this year, we also resolved on the board to suspend our financial guidance for 2020 due to the uncertainty caused by COVID-19. The original guidance for 2020, which were announced on the 11th of February, was consolidated revenue of between 18.5 and 20.5 billion Danish kroner, an EBITDA margin of between 8 and 9%, and a return on invested capital of between 9 and 12%. On the 28th of April, FL Smith announced that the full-year results for 2020 were expected to fall below the initial guidance for the year. Visibility remains low, and the full-year guidance for 2020 remains suspended. As described above, several of our customers have seen disruptions of operations at their cement plants and mines. Lockdowns and restrictions on mobility have impacted suppliers and parts of our own operations resulting in more complex logistics and a lower degree of capacity utilization. It's difficult to predict the duration and the extent of these disruptions, but we expect the largest impact of our operations from COVID-19 to come in the second quarter, while the impact in the third quarter will be more moderate. In 2019 and in early 2020, a number of changes has have taken uh, has taken place in group management, and I'll now review these. In March, we appointed two new members to our group management. Annette Tandrup, she is here over there, head of group legal and strategy, and Corey Peterson, HR responsible. With their combined experience, Annette and Corey will further enhance the company's ability to operate in an increasingly complex business environment and promote our development of talent. Effective of the 1st of January 2020, Mark Clifford joined the group executive management. He is former region president for Australia, but will now take over the role as head of regions from Brian Day, who has retired on a pension after a long and successful career with F.L. Smith. On the 1st of July, which is next week, Roland M. Anderson will join us as new group CFO, taking over from Lars Westergaard, who left us after five years of dedicated service. Roland comes with 25 years of experience and strong expertise uh, from his time as CFO with public as well as private equity-owned companies, including AP Mullermask and NKT. Expected from January 2021, Michael Keto 
will join F.L. Smith as new president for our mining business and a member of our group executive management. He joins us from METSO, where he has been president for mineral services and pumps for more than 10 years. His appointment follows Manfred Schaffer's decision to retire in 2020. Manfred has done a tremendous and dedicated contribution to our mining business since 2014. For family reasons, our chief digital officer, Michael Lindholm, decided to resign at the end of 2019. Fortunately, we have found a strong replacement, Miko Teponen, who joined us on the 1st of June as new chief digital officer and member of the group executive management. Miku comes from Wärtsilä and has extensive expertise in the digital transformation of industrial businesses. In accordance with the recommendations of the Committee on Corporate Governance, I will now review and briefly comment on the remuneration of executive management and board of directors. I'd first of all like to say that there were no deviations in 2019 from the general remuneration guidelines adopted by the shareholders in general meeting. The executive management's total remuneration in 2019 consisted of a gross salary, which is a fixed salary including pension, and the usual benefits such as company car. In addition, they received performance-based shares representing values not exceeding 50% of their gross salary at the date of grant. The purpose of the variable pay components is to ensure value creation and to enable the company to achieve its short and long-term goals. Due to a lower degree of target fulfillment, the executive management received no bonus in 2019. The executive group management consists of the CEO, the former CFO, and the interim member registered with the Danish Business Authority, and together they received a total remuneration of 25.2 million kroner in 2019 against 23.1 million kroner in 2018. The increase in remuneration was exclusively due to a severance package of 9 million kroner paid to the former CFO. Adjusted for this severance package, the total remuneration to the group executive manager decreased by 6.9 million kroner to 16.2 million kroner in 2019. The financial KPIs related to the Group Executive Management's performance-based remuneration in 2020 will be in line with 2019 and include order intake, EBITDA margin, cash flows from operating activities, including working capital. In connection with the release of the annual report 2019, the Board of Directors has decided to grant conditional shares to a total of 168 people comprising the Group Executive Management and key employees. The cost of this program will be up to 52.5 million kroner in 2018 and will involve a maximum of 205,016 shares, calculated on the basis of the average closing price of the shares during the first five trading days after the release of the full-year financial statements. Vesting and granting will be conditional on the achievement of financial targets related to the EBITDA margin and working capital as a percentage of revenue. A pool of an additional 9,800 conditional shares may be awarded later in 2020, and costs associated with this may uh, amount up to up to 2.5 million kroner. The total remuneration to the board of directors amounted to 6.4 million kroner in 2019, down from 6.5 million in 2018, and the board proposes that the remuneration to the members of the board of directors for 2020 remains unchanged. And for the sake of good order, what is also stated in the annual report, I would like to point out that once again this year, the Board of Directors has been through a self-evaluation process. process uh, uh, this has also been an evaluation of the initiatives taken to improve work on the board. In conclusion, I'd like to thank the executive management and the board of directors for being such strong and supportive partners, but a special thank you will go to the group's almost 12,000 employees who have shown a high degree of flexibility and productivity even during periods when up to 70% of our employees work from home. Not least, our colleagues have shown significant commitment to the green transition of the mining and cement industries. This creates a strong platform for our future business and is crucial to the future for all of us. Thank you very much.
Thank you. It is now possible to ask questions or make comments. Uh, let me just mention, first of all, that there is a microphone down here that you can use for your questions and comments. Life Nielsen is the first one who has asked for the floor. And as you approach, I'd like to ask if anyone else wishes to speak after him. That is not the case. Over to you, Life Nielsen. Yes, I am Life Nielsen. I'm going to ask a number of questions concerning the corruption scandal in Tunisia, but uh, the chair talked about it himself. But still, I do have a couple of questions. Rumor has it that the two engineers involved in that case still work for F.L. Smith, and one of them seems uh, has been promoted to become senior vice president, and the other one was sentenced to five years imprisonment, but still works for the company. Can the chairman confirm that? Another question concerned the corruption scandal. F.L. Smith over-invoiced by 30 million euros, I understand, and the customer insists on getting the 30 million euros back. Uh, what's the situation with that claim at the moment? If the customer is to receive 30 million euros, well, we shareholders will suffer. And over the last two years, we shareholders have lost about 13 billion kroner. And the price of the share is at the lowest for 10 years. That was, those were my questions. Thank you. First, the two employees are still employed by Eiffel Schmidt. The reason and the background for that is, after identifying what went wrong in that process of 2010 for that project, and that is roughly five years ago, when that was identified, a little bit more than five years ago, these colleagues were put on special restriction, and they got that what we call a penalty within the company, and as it is in our societies, if someone lived through the penalty, then they are what we call recovered. And that is what we did. Then based second on the, of course, on the position of these individuals, um, the performance after someone lived through the penalty is, of course, the only decision criteria which kind of position they have in the company. Then regarding the amount which is in the media, and uh, the dispute and the discussion about the two million, that is what we admitted and committed to. And as it was said from the chairman, we, when identified immediately, stopped all activities in that direction and we only talk here two million, nothing else. And last but not least, these things in Tunisia are still ongoing in the Tunisian court or in Tunisian country and predominantly related with uh, the customer and owner of the customer group where we as F.H. Schmidt in 2010 dealt with. Thank you. Are there any other questions or comments, supplementary comments perhaps? If not, we have now exhausted uh, the report and the uh, debate concerning the report. So we have taken note of the report. That was item one. Item two, that's a presentation and approval of the annual report for last year. Are there any supplementary questions concerning the annual report for last year? That is not, not the case. It has been duly approved. Item three on the agenda is approval of the board director's fees, as usual, divided into two last year. Uh, there was a pre-approval of the fees for 19, uh, so the final approval is to be given this year. What the board is proposing is simply to adopt what was pre-adopted last year. Any further questions concerning 2019? If not, that has been duly approved. The second part, that's then the preliminary determination of fees for 2020. Uh, so a kind of pre-approval and the final approval comes next year. The board is proposing an unchanged fee. So, uh, again, a base fee of 450000 And as in most other companies, you have multiples of that. 
the vice chair receives twice that, and the chair receives three times that, and then you have separate fees for uh, committee work. Any questions? So it is uh, proposed that there are no changes. So it has been duly approved. That brings us to item four on the agenda. That's the uh, uh, distribution of profits. The original version for the ATM was that a dividend of eight kroner was to be paid after the cancellation or postponement of the AGM as uh, it has now been revised so that it is proposed to pay no dividend. The thing is, the AGM can decide to reduce a dividend but not increase it. So in principle, there's very little to discuss. Uh, you can have the floor if you want. If not, that has also been duly adopted. That brings us to item five on the agenda, election of members to the board directors. The articles say that uh, members elected by the AGM are five to eight members. There are at the moment six members of the board, and then plus, of course, the employee elected members of the board, uh, and they're elected for a four-year period. Now, the board is proposing re-election of the existing board. The six members you can see up here. The chair, Val Oversorensen, Tom Knudsen, Richard Robinson-Smith, and Louise Eberhardt, Gillian Dawn Winkler, and Taras Moriatis. So, it is proposed that they should be re-elected. There is a shareholder, Richard Einer Fangel, has announced that he wants to run. Uh, he is a candidate to the board directors as a supplementary candidate. The board proposes to elect the six members. Uh, so there are now seven candidates. Rekat Einafangel is in Mexico, so he can't come. He is affected by travel restrictions. So uh, we have agreed that I, have, I will read out his uh, nomination of himself. He said, dear shareholders, board management, unfortunately I cannot physically be present at the AGM because of travel restrictions. Uh, based on the coronavirus. It might be a surprise that I'm running here as a candidate to the board of F.L. Smith, but I do believe there is a need for a change in strategies from an organic growth strategy to a combination with acquisitions. So, as you've perhaps seen from my profile, I've worked almost 39 years for F.L. Smith in Denmark, Spain, Mexico, and Brazil. Out of the 39 years I've worked with, and lived 36 years in countries where our customers live and work. I have sold cement plants most recently in 18 for just under 2 billion kroner POA. Sold mining equipment. I've uh, carried out maintenance contracts, 13 tons a day from mines. With uh, I've negotiated with trade unions. I've been part of management of factories. I've worked with CMEX on the board in a joint venture, and I have worked for more than 20 years in projects. I'm still a member of various boards, have been the president of the Nordic Chamber of Commerce, and I have four years' experience as an auditor for medium-sized and big-cap companies, particularly in relation to economic crime and insider trading, the JBN case. So I know... Uh, how shareholders, board, and management cooperate. Since 2013, F.L. Smith has undergone consolidation of the business, now organized in a life cycle model for equipment. This is the right model for a, a company such as F.L. Smith, but it took many years before it was introduced, really, in 18. Since 2018, F.L. Smith has launched a number of initiatives to improve the business, such as cutback uh, in regard to uh, purchases, um, uh, investment in operating systems, uh, training of uh, staff and employees, investments in R&D, investment in digitalization, and other initiatives. Since 2013, F.L. Smith has concentrated on organic growth, but not invested in new markets via acquisition of competitors. F.L. Smith has only focused on uh, purchase of products to have complete product float sheets for the uh, solutions offer, but it's been limited. That strategy can result in cutbacks and in internal R&D, but it doesn't really grow the business apart from the organic growth. It is true that F.L. Smith has its business in a cyclical market, but it's kind of sad to see the low EBITDA 
as a percentage. It's been really been constant since 2014. There was a decline in 13 after a record in 12, despite a relative increase in uh, in good service sales that make money. Uh, investments in systems and staff have been made, but it would seem like uh, these uh, initiatives are not visible in regard to EBITDA. So they're probably good explanations, but I do believe the board approves the chosen long-term strategy for F.S. Smith. I cannot see that anything really has been reflected in the value of this share. You have a perfect organization uh, as, uh, you know, and you have the committees prescribed by the Danish Stock Exchange, but I do believe the board should spend more time on long-term strategies and make sure that they're also expressed in the numbers and therefore also in the share price. They should take more risks, I do believe. Uh, so you take risks uh, as, a, as a manager, just like shareholders take risks. We've seen how other big companies have grown through acquisitions, Mask, Danfoss, and DSV. But since the purchase of Ludovica in 12, uh, F.L. Smith has consolidated an existing business and not been aggressive uh, in acquisitions. So there's a fear that F.L. Smith could be acquired by some, someone else. It's up to shareholders to see what they think. I've spent most of my life with F.L. Smith. I know F.L. Smith can do more than what we've seen on the stock exchange in recent years. I wish you a good AGM, and thank you for taking the time for my input. Are there any other candidates or other comments? If not, now the board is proposing six candidates. So the board is proposing to re-elect the existing board so it does not support the candidacy of Rekert Einar Fangl. But obviously there needs to be a vote. First of all, the board's proposal is that the board should consist of, the, uh, of six members. So first, we need to decide whether the board should be six members or not. If it's not six members, there is room for everyone because in accordance with the articles, there can be up to eight. So first, a yes and no vote. Should there be six members on the board? There'll be a small video showing you uh, how to do that with the e-voter. So let's have a look at the video. E-voter er din personlige stemmeseddel, som du skal bruge ved afstemning. Ved din ankomst blev din e-voter registreret. Du kan kun stemme, når afstemningen er åben, hvilket vil fremgå af skærmen på din e-voter. Uden for afstemning vil din tryk ikke blive registreret. Vent til afstemningen åbner. Når du skal stemme til en forimod afstemning, skal du kun bruge knapperne lige under skærmen. Hvis du vil stemme for, trykker du på knappen under for. Hvis du vil stemme imod, trykker du på knappen under imod. Hvis du vil stemme blankt, trykker du på knappen under BLK. Din e-voter sender din stemme til modtageren. Når din stemme er modtaget, får du en kvittering på skærmen på din e-voter, som viser, hvad du har stemt. Det er vigtigt, at du sikrer dig, at du har modtaget kvitteringen. Det er din sikkerhed for, at din stemme er modtaget. Der kan gå op til 20 sekunder, inden du vil modtage din kvittering. Så længe afstemningen er åben, kan du ændre din valg ved at trykke igen. Når afstemningen er slut, vil resultatet blive præsenteret. Har du behov for hjælp, så kontakt venligst en repræsentant for selskabet. Bliv siddende og ræk din hånd op. DC Plus er tændt i e-voter ved at trykke på knappen i nederste højre hjørne. I think they are on. Anyway, now you know which buttons to press. This is a fairly simple procedure, so let's open for the vote. I hope that your e-voters are now on, that the display is lit, and this is about whether you want six members or more of the board of directors. So you press four if you wish to have six, and against if you wish more. And please ensure that you get a receipt 
Any problems with the e-voter? It's your chance to get help now. I don't see any problems, so voting is closed. And now we need to wait for a minute while we count the vote, and then we will have the final result. If it turns out after the vote that we wish to have a board of six, then we have seven candidates, and it will be the six candidates with the highest number of votes that will be returned to the board. You can vote for all seven, but that would be silly because that would be the same thing as voting for nobody. But there will be a video showing you how to go about that. But I can reveal to you while we await the outcome of the vote that we need to go to the buttons on your e-voter that has numericals on them. And you press button number one and send if it's candidate number one you wish to vote for. But there will be a video with the detailed instructions. I now have the results of the vote. You see that the proposal or the, from the board of directors has been carried with an overwhelming majority. Let's proceed and see the video about how to use the e-voter when we are to vote for the six people that will be members of the board out of the seven candidates. Kandidatafstemning skal du stemme ved hjælp af nummertasterne. Hver kandidat har et nummer, som bliver vist på storskærmen. Du stemmer ved at taste nummeret på den kandidat, du ønsker at stemme på, og trykker derefter på send. Dirigenten vil instruere dig om, hvornår du kan stemme på de respektive kandidater. Når han åbner for afstemningen på kandidat nummer 1, og du ønsker at stemme på den pågældende kandidat, taster du 1 og send. Når din stemme er modtaget, får du en kvittering på skærmen på din e-voter, som viser, hvad du har stemt. Det er vigtigt, at du sikrer dig, at du har modtaget kvitteringen. Det er din sikkerhed for, at din stemme er modtaget. Der kan gå op til 20 sekunder, inden du vil modtage din kvittering. Når alle har fået mulighed for at stemme, vil dirigenten gå videre til næste kandidat. Du vil ikke kunne stemme på flere kandidater, end dirigenten angiver, ved starten af kandidatafstemningen. Hvis du stemmer på flere kandidater end tilladt, vil du få besked på, at du allerede har afgivet din kandidatvalg. Når afstemningen er slut, vil resultatet blive præsenteret. Har du behov for hjælp, kontakt venligst en repræsentant for selskabet. Bliv siddende og ræk din hånd op. And we now have a slide with the numbers of the candidates. We will deal with them one at a time. Voting will be possible now. I hope that the display on your e-voter is lit. As I said, in principle, it's possible for you to vote for all seven candidates. But you can also vote for everyone between zero and seven. If you want to vote for Mount Sørensen, you press one and then send. I'm quite sure you've done that by now. If you wish to vote for Tom Knudsen, press 2 and send now, please. And if you wish to vote for Richard Robinson-Smith, please press 3 and then send now. And Louisa Eberhardt, if you wish to Vote for her, press 4, then send. If you wish to vote for number 5, Gillian Dawn Winkler, you press 5 now, followed by send. 
If you wish to vote for Thras Moriatis, you press 6 plus send. And if you wish to vote for Richard Aina Fangel, you press 7 followed by send. Voting is not closed. It's not closed yet. If something's gone wrong, we still have time to correct it. Any problems with the e-voter anywhere? We're done. Excellent. Voting is closed. And now we'll have to wait for the counting of the votes. And when we have the results, I will, of course, give it to you, and I will show you on the slide behind me, and then we will proceed to the next item on the agenda, which is item six, election of company orders. There is no uh, proposals concerning this, apart from the one coming from the board of directors, so I think we'll be able to deal with that fairly swiftly. But let's deal with it once we get to that point. First, we will have to finalize item five. And don't forget that we are going to look at some relatively high figures because 44% of the total share capital voted either by being present here or by issuing proxies to the board prior to the meeting. The large majority did so in the form of a special kind of proxy where they indicated what they wanted to vote for each of the items on the agenda. And we now have the results. And they appear on the screen now. We see that the six first candidates that have been returned are actually the same people that are already on the board. So we congratulate you with your re-election. And we proceed now to item six, election of company auditor. The board of directors proposes the re-election of Ernst & Young. And according to the new rules, you have to confirm that this is in accordance with a recommendation from the audit committee and that it has not been influenced by third parties and is not subject to any agreements with third parties that restrict the general meeting selection of specific auditors or audit firms, and that is the case. Now we will turn to item seven. So the first one is the proposal for a new remuneration policy. Legislation was introduced in Denmark last year because of a directive from the EU so that all listed companies now must have a remuneration policy that is approved in accordance with the new rules. Uh, it was attached to the convening notice. Any questions? It is uh, relatively easy to read. I appreciate that. And uh, it has been duly approved. 7.2 is a renewal of the board director's authorization to increase the company's share capital. Most companies ask for this uh, authorization. You can have it for a maximum of five years at a time. So typically, uh, every year, they ask for a one-year extra. Uh, so it's the same thing here. It's not going to expire in 24, but in 25. And there is a is with preemptive rights and without preemptive rights. Any questions? If not, that has been duly approved. With the two-thirds majority required, 7.3 is a technical item. It says in the articles who is the keeper of the shareholder's register. 
and VP, there has been a merger. So a name has been changed and a business registration number has been changed. It is not controversial. We have no influence on their merger, so I would suggest that we propose that we adopt this without a vote. Yeah, duly adopted. Next one, 7-4. It's a standard agenda that has to be changed because uh, there is a new item. Item four, it's a new fixed item on the agenda for the AGM, an advisory vote on the remuneration report because of the same change of legislation that I described before. It's the shareholders' right directive from the European Union that dictates this. So I can take this, I believe, as duly adopted. Seven five, treasury shares. A listed company has an authorization typically to buy and sell its own shares. You can get it for up to five years. Uh, in most companies, they're asking for 10%, and this is the same here. However, you can never hold more than 10% of your own shares, and you can buy them at the listed price with a maximum deviation of 10%, and this is valid for one year until next year's AGM. That's going to be nine months from now, really. Any questions? Not the case. Duly adopted. Brings us to any other business. You cannot vote on anything here. No decisions can be made. Does anyone wish to speak under any other business? If not, I have finalized my job, and I give the floor back to the chairman, who can uh, round off the meeting. First of all, I'd like to thank our chairman of the meeting for his very competent way of handling his job as chair of the meeting, as usual. And thank you to the shareholders and guests who turned up here. And thank you for your support to our business. We appreciate it a great deal. The annual general meeting of FL Smith for 2020 is now over. Thank you for coming. Thank you for attending and safe home journey.